You don't want to write. You want to be a person who has written. Here's the secret. No one enjoys writing. And I'm not talking about writing, capital W, which includes staring out windows, coming up with ideas, having a book published and out there. There are fun parts to capital W writing. I'm talking about writing, drafting, typey, typey, typey. Okay, some of us enjoy that part. I've met them. They're awesome. I don't understand them, but they're awesome. But most of us, we want to have written. So here is how you go from a person who wants to write to being a person who has written. Write to your strengths writing community, and have an expert guide around to motivate and teach you what you need to know and only what you need to know. And this is exactly what happens in the Year of Writing Magically workshop. Spaces are available for the 2024 workshop that is 10 months from March to December, where you will be part of a community in which I lead you. I teach you everything you need to know about craft and teach you everything you need to know about discovery, drafting, drawer phase, and revision. I walk you through everything along with a group of people that you will bond with, have an amazing experience with, and I absolutely guarantee you will get more work done on that book than you would have if you had gone it alone. Go to HowStory.Works, click on the Year of Writing Magically workshop. Applications are open until December. All right, now go ahead and listen to the podcast. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is How Story Works. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How Story Works from Chipperish Media. I am story expert and New York Times bestselling author and story coach Lonnie Diane Rich. And today I have a special guest, kind of my adopted little brother, Joshua Unruh. Uh, a lot of you may be familiar with Joshua as the superhero scholar uh, co-host on Listen Up A-Holes, which was our Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, and In the Gutter, which was our comic book uh, podcast. Uh, but Joshua is also an indie author and a freelance marketing coach. And because so many independent authors uh, struggle with marketing, and I am exhibit A, like, you know how recently I've been doing these very, like, uh, you know, like, writing consultations with people that they come to me and they tell me their problems. This is what Joshua does for me with marketing. Um, and he has been such a help. And I thought that it would really be neat to kind of like pull back that curtain and show another side of his expertise. That is what we're doing today. But he is also um, part of the inaugural cohort of uh, the Year of Writing Magically workshop, which is going on this year and is winding down toward the end of the process. Um, and so we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Year of Writing Magically and how it went, um, what I've learned, what he's learned, a really great conversation. Uh, very much enjoyed that. Uh, speaking of, the Year of Writing Magically workshop is now open for applications for the 2024 cohort. It it is a small cohort. Space is limited and already filling up, but I cannot express to you enough how much I recommend this class. You will hear me talking about it. And yes, I am gushing about it, but also because it was an experience that I wanted to have. I couldn't find a workshop out there that did this. So I created one and it was everything I thought it could be, everything I dreamed it could be and so much more. So when I am talking to you about how amazing this is, like that is genuine gushing as somebody who took the workshop, not just as the person who like, you know, taught it. 
Um, but we're going to have a big conversation about that. Uh, and definitely, I completely recommend it so much for anybody who wants to do a novel, screenplay, or other long-form fiction project in 2024. Uh, this is the workshop that will get you going because it's not just motivational. It's not just a schedule. And here we're going to do our discovery and our drafting and revision. Um, it is all of those things, but also it just creates a space where you can build your writing process around you. It is very individualized. It is very bespoke. A lot of what I'm teaching is teaching you how to know yourself as a writer so that you can write in the way that works for you. And that has been like the most mind blowing element, I think, of it this year. And I will do that again next year. But for anybody who's just interested in learning more, I am doing a pre-workshop workshop, Year of Writing Magically pre-workshop workshop. Uh, it is on November 14th at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. That's like 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, there's a million different time zones. Uh, you know what yours is. But I'm going to be going through the entire Year of Writing Magically calendar, showing you how to use uh, the Year of Writing Magically method in your own writing. And I will answer any questions you might have about writing or the workshop or really anything I am. As you know, kind of always an open book. So look for the link in the show notes. You can also find it on the website. If you go to yearofwritingmagically.com, uh, you will see a link that says sign up for the workshop. Um, all right. So we're going to get into my chat with Joshua here soon. But first, I wanted to give y'all an update on the novel that I've been working on. So here's the thing. I took a trip to New York to have a writing retreat. That is why the sound quality in uh, the recording, in the conversation with Joshua, it's, it's, pretty echoey because I'm in a room with a lot of hard surfaces. Um, I found a different area to record in for this uh, part for my uh, for my opening. So uh, hopefully this quality will be a little bit better. But regardless, I think that you've got enough quality that you can understand what I'm saying. And in all honesty, most of you won't notice the difference. I notice the difference because I've been podcasting for a long time. But a lot of times I will be like, oh, my God, can you hear that? And other people are like, no. So uh, so it's absolutely fine. It's it's fine quality. Um, but anyway, so I signed up for this pet sitting app. <laughs> right. Uh, one of the students from the year of writing magically last year uh, was someone who, you know, went around the world and was just like traveling all over the place. And, and she was starting out in one time zone and she would be in another after a while. And I was like, okay, so what is that? Like, you know, and I was really interested in kind of that nomadic lifestyle. And she was like, well, I I'm on this app where I go and take care of people's pets while they go on vacation. And sometimes we'll stay in a place for, you know, a month or two or whatever, um, or sometimes a couple of weeks. And she just kind of bounces around doing this thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I love road trips. I've talked to you all about how road trips are so incredibly valuable for my writing process. The last road trip I did was in April before I started writing this book. And I was coming out here to like the Hudson Valley area in New York. Um, and I set it there. Um, and I'm from here. So like, I know the terrain, you know, I know the place, I know the people. Um, but there's something about coming back here that I thought might be really helpful during this revision process, um, in this book. So I went, I joined the app, 
Um, I went, I found um, a place where I could sit for a cat recovering from a little surgery and hang out in this area, see friends, you know, bop around in the area um, with the book that I'm writing. And my whole thing was that I was going to use these two weeks just purely as a writing retreat. Like that was my plan. But I've been here for a week. I've got another week to go. uh, And I've written very little. I mean, I've written a bit. I've written a bit, uh, but very little since I've been out here. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think we as writers, um, when we hit these spaces where we can't write, it feels so shameful. It feels like there's something wrong with us, like there's something broken, right? Because like, you know, you go to work like a regular day job when you don't feel like it and you do that work when you don't feel like it. But, you know, I got to tell you, like, Creative work is different. And in the same way that I say, like, you don't want to sit and wait for inspiration to come to you, but you want to whistle for it. um, There are things that you can do to get yourself back to work when you are just not feeling it. Um, But you have to acknowledge, accept, and, and just like kind of sit with the fact that you right at that moment don't are not in the emotional space to be creative in any way, you know? So my emotional state has been a little wonky lately. Like there are a whole bunch of things contributing to that, not the least of which are global events that I find horrifying. Um, And lately I've been on kind of an emotional downturn, like a bunch of things happened all at once, nothing terribly serious, but like, you know, when you have those runs through life where it's like the car breaks down and then it's so much more expensive than you ever thought it would be. And then you discover that the place that you bought your car from uh, spray painted the bottom of it so that you wouldn't see the rust, things like that. Things that just was like hit after hit after hit after hit. Um, And just kind of put me into a funk, you know, and my writing depends on my emotional state. Like I have found writing easiest during times in my life when everything was super boring and stable. The super boring and stable parts of my life have not been that frequent in the last, say, I don't know, 10 years or so. Um, I tend to be a person that keeps things in flux. I tend to be a person that moves around a lot and goes on road trips and shakes things up and, you know, does things different just because like, I, I just like a life that is surprising for me. I struggle with boredom, but I write better when I'm bored. And now that I'm back in a space where I want to be writing again, like promoting boredom, maybe the way that I want to go. Uh, and I haven't been going that way in a while. So one of the things that I have learned about myself is that I absolutely cannot just headbutt my way through emotional malaise and mental weather to write anyway. Like there is a step in between the I'm in a bad place emotionally and mentally and just write, you know, Um, because I think when we just try to headbutt our way through, at least in my experience, what happens with me is that I will sit down and be like, I have to write this. I'm going to sit and write this and I will write. And I am not kidding you. I have written as much as 40,000 words once I was so stubborn about this and pushed myself through without addressing the emotions. That's the secret, right? Um, Pushed myself through, headbutted my way through, wrote 40,000 words on a book that I had to completely throw away. 
could not use. Uh, it just didn't work and it wasn't coming together. And that was because I had these emotions. I had this mental weather. And instead of addressing it, instead of taking time to look at it and address it, which takes way less time and energy than writing 40,000 words of a novel that you end up throwing away. Instead of doing that, I would just headbutt my way through it. So the thing is, is that you can do the writing. You can do the stuff, but you have to tend to these like emotional injuries, to this mental weather and give yourself the time to like address it, acknowledge it, um, validate it, feel it. Uh, I don't like doing any of those things. I don't like doing it. I'm, I am of the generation that like, take your precious fifis, shut the hell up and get the work done, right? I don't think that that's a valuable mindset for this kind of thing. And when I have done that in the past, it has just prolonged the storm. So, um, so this time I decided to stop and just tend to how I was feeling. I acknowledged it. I accepted it. I did a thing. I spoke to people about it. I gave it a few days of my time and I just said, all right, I am going to tend to myself for whatever time it takes, you know, and wait for that kind of dark cloud to just lift. I am an incredibly lucky person that when the dark clouds descend upon me, they do not stay long. I, uh, I have like a natural inclination toward the lift of those dark clouds. And the thing is, is that those dark clouds actually hinder my writing. Um, dark clouds, I think sometimes help other writers give other writers a, a space from which to write. So I'm just saying like, this is my experience. If you see yourself in my experience, um, then this may be valuable to you. So that's why I'm sharing it, but nothing is valuable to everyone. Nothing is universal advice. Um, so if this isn't something that you resonate with, then absolutely don't worry about it. But a lot of the work that I have to do right now is actually not the writing. It is like the business end of making how story works work, which I'm not good at, but I need to do anyway. So I'm learning a lot of new things and I'm trying to do what Joshua tells me to do because he's my new marketing coach. And I'm figuring out my approach to actually running a business, which is not something that I am naturally aligned with. Honestly, up until now, I've just been relying on doing quality work and the word of mouth that you find people give me, which has been surprisingly good. But part of me likes to play small. Part of me really likes to kind of just curl up in the corner and not be noticed. And the thing is that I think I have really good work out there. I think How Story Works is an excellent manual for applying story to your work without it overwhelming what magic you want to bring to it. And the magic is the most important thing. I think that there's so many things in, in the story theory that I've done and all that kind of stuff that is really incredibly valuable. And when I'm working with writers, I feel alive. Like I just, you know, when you harmonize with a work that is meant for you, um, or a hobby or something like when you're doing something that you know is meant for you, you just do that thing. I love doing that work, but I don't want to talk about like, you know, the from office space. I don't like to talk about my flair. Like, I don't like to talk about my work. I don't like to promote my work or any of the things that I'm doing. But if I want to scale a business, 
if I want to do this full time, if I don't want to have to go back to a regular day job, I need to learn how to run a business, which means promoting, getting myself out there, making connections with people. Um, and it's just not something that I'm, I'm naturally, I'm good at making connections with people, but I'm bad at, at going out there and being like, I have something that I think will really benefit you. Although I genuinely do think that the Year of Writing Magically Workshop, the house story works as a book and as a story theory is incredibly valuable. I'm just very bad at like doing anything with anybody that like, even though it benefits them may also benefit me. I, I struggle with that, even though I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. So, I mean, the thing is, like, I can take advice about what the best practices are, but then I also have to align those practices with my values and my authenticity without letting my fear and my, you know, like some of my bullshit, uh, some of my, like, need to play small get in the way of the things that I need to do in order to get How Story Works out to a wider audience, um, in order to help writers with their writing, which is what I love to do. But anyway, so the whole point is that these two weeks were supposed to be about my writing. I have written very little. I worked on my opening scene and um, I thought it was going to be awful. I went into it. It was great. It was fun. I had a good time. I really want to go back to this story. So I'm just like, I'm just struggling. The cloud is lifting. It's definitely getting better because I took time to address it. I took time to take days off you know, to play a little Stardew Valley um, and just like hang out with this cat. Oh my God, this cat. I'm pet setting this cat. Um, her name is Maisie. She's just had surgery on her foot. She's so incredibly cute, but she has got a full diesel motor on her. I'm going to play a little audio from a, a video clip. I, I, I took a video for uh, her owner uh, to just show her how, you know, happy and, and Maisie was and how well she was doing. And oh my God, the motor on this cat. Go ahead. Give this a listen. How you doing, sweet face? There you go. This cat, I love this cat. She sits at my side all day while I work. Um, and I would, I would never, I would never pet nap someone else's animal. But if I was that kind of person, oh, she would be going home with me. Like she is just the sweetest thing. But also, like I have enough cats. I have enough cats. So anyway, so that's what's awesome about this pet sitting app. Um, and I have to tell you, like, I love to travel. I love animals. So putting those hands together and being able to bop around the country, do longer road trips, which I love, and then snuggle kitties with diesel motors has been super fun. So anyway, like, this was not meant to be an ad. I am in no way, like, they don't sponsor me or anything. Like, there's nothing like that. I just really genuinely, like, like this app. Um, if you are interested in getting a free place to stay wherever you want to go, you can put in, like, I want to visit Seattle, I want to visit Portugal, whatever. And, you know, find a place to stay where you just have to take care of either the house for a while or pet sit for some animals. Or if you need somebody to pet sit for you, it's free forever. Like you pay for the app, but like the house sitting is free. The staying there is free. The pet sitting is free. It's just connecting people with each other. It's running background checks on everybody. So you know that you're not going to end up, you know, like in a bad, in a bad place. The app is trusted house sitters. And I actually have a link in the show notes. Um, that is my referral. So if you look into it and end up signing up, then I get a couple of months free, you know, which works out for everybody. Right. Um, my experience so far has been pretty great. Again, got this recommended to me from somebody else that I knew personally had been using it and doing it for a while. So if you're interested, just go to the link in the show notes, click on that. You can learn more about it and see if it's something for you. Um, I really absolutely love it.
it. So um, I've been having a great time with it. Okay, so that's everything that's going on with me and my writing. How are you and your writing? What have you been doing this month? Uh, come in, send me an email. Uh, you know, uh, let me know um, what it is that you've been doing. Um, I'm really interested in hearing about the writing journeys from everybody listening to the show. And so please let me know how everything's going with you. Is anybody doing nano? Everybody is, are you in Preptober for Nano? Um, a lot of people are doing that right now. That's also very exciting. But right now we're going to go into my chat with Joshua. Uh, many of you have been with me for a while, already know Joshua. But for those who might be unfamiliar, Joshua Unruh is an author, superhero scholar, marketing professional, and basically my adopted little brother. He has worked as a marketing professional off and on since 1999, working both with agencies and as a freelancer. At his heart, he's a storyteller, which makes him an excellent author, a compelling teacher, and a master brand strategist. Since a brand is simply the story of what a business does and how it does it. And let me just tell you, when he started coming at me with like, your your brand is telling a story. And I was like, oh, God, I'm, you know, my whole thing is story, you know. And so the idea that I wasn't thinking of myself in terms of what the story is, along with the brand of how story works was... Uh, felt I felt a little a little obnoxiously seen in that moment I'm not gonna lie but it's been really good it's a good way to think about yourself and your business and what you're doing um, and as independent authors you are a business like your books everything is a business there is a story to the stories that you tell um, so all of that is part of your branding um, and it's a whole thing it's a whole thing there's so much to learn but anyway, Joshua is helping me figure out my marketing strategy, and he has the patience of a saint because every time he checks in with me and says, hey, did you do what I told you to do? And I say, no, he just sighs and revises my deadline. It's very, very sweet. So I brought him in today to talk about marketing, which is a struggle for a lot of writers, and also about his experience taking the inaugural voyage of the Year of Writing Magically workshop this year. All right, so let's go and hang out with Joshua. All right, so it's been a little while since we've sat down uh, in the podcast chair together. It's good to see you. What I wanted to talk to you about today, Joshua, is how your like whole writing journey, like you have all of these books <laughs> that you've um, that you've written and published, and um, and now you're working on a new one as well as part of the yes. Year of Writing Magically workshop. Uh, so tell me about like, we all know about you as like the superhero scholar, <laughs> you know, the guy who knows everything about comic books. And that's been a lot of what the work that we've done together. But I kind of want to talk to you about your experience, your journey as a writer. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's a good conversation because it's honestly what brought me into your sphere, if nothing else. For real mm -hmm. talk. So basically what happened to me as a writer uh, is that I became a stay-at-home dad. Um, and <laughs> That's what happened to me. Uh, I was not a stay-at-home dad. I was a stay-at-home mom. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, stay-at-home <laughs> parent. We can we can join each other in parent. this space. Um, there you go. And uh, now my child was a somewhat complicated infant, but, mm -hmm. but still, even with some complication, most of what they did was sleep all day right like that's yeah. the that when they're new that's what it is and i was like what mm -hmm. am i gonna do with this time and the honest truth is i i've been a storyteller of one type or another like my whole life like a tabletop role-playing mm -hmm. game since i was a kid uh my my action figure play was wild and elaborate like mm -hmm. long-running storylines like all of this stuff my whole life um, and I never stopped being a tabletop guy. That was the main outlet. Well, now I'm sitting here with like hours during the day 
I can't go do something else. Like I need to be available, but I don't, you know, they're paperweights that poop and yell when they're brand new. I love my kid. <laughs> it wouldn't trade them for anything, but like, that's the deal. And so I was like, well, I have time now. So let me do some of this. And it started out uh, with some small things. Like um, I wrote a few scenarios for a small role-playing game publisher. I started working with uh, with like game designers on hacks and stuff. Um, but then I discovered National Novel Writing Month, <laughs> which I know mirrors your experience also. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. I did it well in that I finished. Yes. I did it poorly in that that thing was unreadable. Mm -hmm. Right. But I did it. Right. And then I did it the next year. And then I think I skipped the third one. And then I did it again the fourth year. Like it was. Uh, and then I was just writing books uh, mm -hmm. all the time, more or less. You know, uh, not everything has seen the light of day. You know how all of that goes. But oh, that's yeah. really I had the time. Then I had the opportunity that was nano. I met some other folks uh, here around Oklahoma City that um, were like a writer's group because mm -hmm. all of a sudden I was a writer and I realized I had a lot. To, like, I, uh, this is actually, it's very similar. Our stories are really similar in that, mm -hmm. like, I have a real, I had a really intuitive grasp of a lot of bits of how stories work, but I did mm -hmm. not have, like, a firm grasp on the big picture, right? So, right. like, my action is great and well choreographed. My dialogue is snappy. Am I escalating this? Is the, con is the conflict locked? Fuck, I don't know. Oh, wait, is this a. <laughs> no, you can say it. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Fuck, I don't know. You know, um. And so I, I start to refine my approach with those folks. This is, uh, uh, along with some other machinations, how I stumble like onto you and your work. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we become pals. And now I just get to pick your brain on it all the time. And then you were like, what about this workshop? Which we'll talk more about here in a minute. But that's <laughs> that's what did it. And to me, like philosophically, I was like, I don't think these things are done until other people read them. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I want other people to enjoy them. That like closes the circuit. Is that one or a million? Well, my pocketbook says a million's better, but one satisfies. Satisfies. The, the need, the, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. With that in mind. And you know, this was 15 or so years ago, like indie publishing is like, woo, it's the, the new hotness. So I, mm -hmm. you know, called graphic designer friends to get help with covers and, you know, used a service to package it up into my, my manuscript into format. I had an editor friend. I mean, there was just all this, you know, and I published them and, uh, you know, they sell okay. I think mm -hmm. now this is the part I never had the like time or knowledge base at the time mm -hmm. to market them really well, mm -hmm. but say la vie. That's really, if I could have made a living that way, that would be great. But really I just wanted them to be out in the world and they mm -hmm. still are. And they, are a constant reminder to me that I could do it again. Yes. So how many books yeah. have you written now? How many books have you completed and are out there? Um, so using, using books kind of loosely, uh, <laughs> because I have three or four full length novels and then a couple mm -hmm. of novellas that are available. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, there is a serialized work that I did tens of thousands of words on with mm -hmm. my good friend and co-author Daniel Swenson mm -hmm. that I now we we did these uh, a couple of a couple of three years ago that we were releasing them like on a monthly basis and I am now this close I'm going to release a big omnibus of that very shortly. Oh, so exciting. now I don't know how to count that as a book because that thing is going to be a doorstop <laughs> uh, and it's only half me 
you know, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, but that's, yeah. So three or four full novels all the way to completion, um, couple of novels or uh, novellas and short stories, and then a smattering of like, I've been paid to do reviews and essays. Mm-hmm. And so I've got, you know, just a bunch of, bunch of that kind of thing floating around out there. That's awesome. All right. So yeah, coming into writing as part of like, for me, I got I I always say I got to the point where I couldn't wipe one more Cheerio off a counter without losing my mind, you know. And um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, because I wasn't a stay at home uh, parent until I had two. the second one came and I was like, all right, I'm just I'm staying at home. I did a little part time work, but mostly I was just home. And, um, and the stories just were in my head and I thought, why the hell not? It was the lowest of low stakes scenarios to go into a a NaNoWriMo and just kind of like throw that all out there. Um, but one of the things that I love about both of our stories is that we had this, you know, desire to tell stories and we just did Mm -hmm. it, you know, not realizing the path that it would put us both on, you know, once we <laughs> yes. started that, uh, the life changing, uh, you know, effect of, of storytelling on the storyteller. Um, but I, I love the way that you, um, you have gotten all of your books, you know, you've written them, you've published them, you went through this whole process. You still go to, you go to writers conferences. You do things that I don't do. Like I'm terrible <laughs> at getting out there and like, I just want to sit in my little hole in my corner and write my book. Um, but you are so Okay. Good. Well, <laughs> yes. I know why this is like, mm-hmm. because I am the weirdo. Like uh-huh. I've met many writers now and most mm-hmm. of them are like, I would like a dark hole. With yes. a word processor <laughs> and no humans to talk to. Whereas no. I am 110% extrovert all uh-huh. day, all the time. Yeah. Uh, so, and what's more, like, I love going to sell my books at writers conferences because I'm, um, I'm pretty good at the pitch, right? Yeah. Like the pitch in person is like, oh yeah, here we are at a comic con. Let me tell you about whatever weird shit I got into <laughs> in comics that became this thing or that thing, Uh you know, and it's my audience and my people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I like hand selling. I really do like hand selling my books. Uh, So I would love to talk to you about that. So it's not work to me. Right. I would love to talk to you about that a little bit though, because I think that is something that a lot of writers, especially when they face down the question of like, do I pursue traditional publishing or do I pursue self-publishing? The idea of selling the book um, which, by the way, just for anybody out there, just to clear it, you also have to do in traditional publishing. They do right. not. They do not like they throw. I've been traditionally published. They throw your book at the wall like it's spaghetti. If it sticks, that's great. If it doesn't, they've got bigger. The The whole point, the whole model of publishing is that the very, very big you know, books will cover the expenses of the smaller books, but, right. um, but right. they put their marketing energy. It's like Hollywood energy. used to work. Right. <laughs> they put, they put their marketing energy behind the books that they know are going to have the big name or all that kind of stuff. So, um, so like they expect all the publishers expect you to have a social media following, they expect you to have platforms, they expect you to hand sell the book constantly. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether you're choosing to do self-publishing or traditional publishing, you are still going to have to get out there and hustle. Um, but one of the things that I love about you and you are so unusual 
and and writers that I know in that you really enjoy just getting out, connecting with people, talking to them about the stuff that you do. Um, and you have that whole marketing background. And so like, I think that yes. like the value of your perspective as not a marketer who does books, but an author who does marketing, <laughs> like yeah, what is yeah. your, what is your number one bit of advice for self-published authors trying to market themselves? Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. I have a small picture and a big picture. Okay, great. Right? Okay. And the small picture is legitimately going to sound a little self-serving because mm -hmm. it's a thing that I do for <laughs> money. But real talk. <laughs> uh, because I have a 25-year background in marketing and a 15-year background at this point in writing things. Um because I've done a bunch of different things in different agencies, you know, different capacities, but it's been writing for the last like 15 mm -hmm. years. Um, it was a surprise to me that authors of their works are not typically capable of writing their own marketing copy. <laughs> oh my God. No, absolutely. I'm dreadful at it. <laughs> it's not again. I'm so mm -hmm. glad you are with me on this because I don't yes. want to sound like a big jerk about it but no like, it's a different kind of writing. I was it's shocked. really hard yeah it is very different and it, and because it wasn't different in my head when i ran into other authors i was like the hell is this this is a, this is your whole ass pitch it's terrible <laughs> you know um these are people i knew well that i could speak frankly mm -hmm. to where i was just like this is this is a synopsis you're mm -hmm. not selling me anything you know um so that would be one thing is that like even though you are perhaps a fantastic fiction author that does not immediately make you a graphic designer to make mm -hmm. your own cover. It does not immediately make you a marketing writer who can do that kind of a back of the book, you know, marketing right. copy. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that you needed an editor, if you want to do this seriously, you are going to need professionals who can help you with that aspect. And there is no shame in that game. Right. Mm -hmm. There's so much of this that you are going to have to do on your own that you're going to have to like, uh, I guess this feeds into the into the bigger picture. It's a lot of work. Like yeah. if you want to be an indie author as your job, it's a lot of work and a lot of it you're going to have to do yourself. You're the one who's going to be climbing that hill. But know when you're out of your lane and need to tag somebody else in. Mm -hmm. And I and to me, the book cover including the marketing copy is a huge part of that because all my books right now, well, no, that's not true. Three quarters of my books right now have co covers that I made, but mm -hmm. they were covers that I made while being babysat by a professional graphic designer who did the other covers of mine. I didn't do like we are mm -hmm. super simpatico, you know, but I needed somebody to either do it or babysit me. And there's like, I don't have to become an expert graphic designer. In my case, I can write my own marketing copy. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. Do you know somebody who does social media as their day job? Make them help you with your <laughs> stuff. You know, whatever. Yes, exactly. Right, you don't, there's so much you have to do on your own, including the hardest part, write the damn book. Mm -hmm. So when once you start getting out of that sphere, there's no shame in tagging folks in to help you out. It's so overwhelming. And I have I have a background actually in writing back cover copy and I have a background in uh, doing graphic design. So I did everything for myself on How Story Works book. But by mm -hmm. the time I got to that back cover copy, I was so exhausted. I wrote literally the worst back cover copy I've ever seen. 
on that <laughs> on the first edition of of how story works i wrote this terrible back cover copy and didn't realize it was terrible until like i don't know four months in and i was like oh god that's dreadful like what was i even thinking <laughs> Um, but that's part of it too, is that even if you have that skill set, like even, you know, and I have the skill set, I was a professional copywriter for back cover copies, yeah, for a yeah. lot of books. Um, and I did that for a while, but it's, it's easier to do a, when it's not your work, because yes. you need to be able to see, you need to have that distance to be able to see it from a marketing perspective. Um, and also be when you're not doing absolutely everything else. Like even if yes. you have some of those skills, you are not going to do as good a job on your own work um, because your perspective is skewed on it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. You're not going to do as good. And also people who professionally design book covers for a living, like I can do graphic design where I can make something look good. But as far as like what makes a book cover sell and pop in a marketplace will be very different from what your personal taste is. Like my personal yes. taste in design is different from what is necessarily going to move that book off the shelves or, you know, on the online sphere, if that's what you've got. So, um, yeah, getting a team together and especially if you have like if you know people who are, you know, who have that skill set or whatever, like um, utilizing that, but like putting Putting a budget aside to have people help you as someone who did not do that. I, I cannot tell you how much I co-sign everything that you just said, um, <laughs> because it is it is something that you may have the skills to do for yourself, but you don't have the perspective maybe the knowledge of the market, maybe like there's stuff that you don't have and you want somebody who can do all of that stuff for you rather than exhausting yourself, doing everything and not necessarily doing it as well. So um, definitely recommend that. So what was the uh, the other advice, the piece of advice that you had? Well, that was that kind of the, I was being really specific about yes. because writers, okay. So I, I extrapolated the specific into the bigger picture, yes. honestly, because mm -hmm. writers feel like they should be able to write anything. Yes. And it that's just not that's just not the case, mm -hmm. you know, and your experience is more typical than mine. Even you have a background in it. Yeah. But then you're too close to your own work. Mm -hmm. I for some reason I have lucked out again. Maybe it's the literal quarter of a century of marketing. But <laughs> I after a point can take a step back from my book. Mm -hmm. And not be so, not that you're being precious, but I can be less precious about it and be like, what's the thing that's going to sell this? Like, what would make me mm -hmm. want to pick this up, you know, right. on the marketing copy? And then um, shout out to my cover designer, Brett Grimes, because he is a really, he speaks into the middle space between of what you were saying mm -hmm. in that he really works with, worked with me and has worked with other authors to find the cover that's going to pop and get people's attention, but also still feels like it's for your book. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like every YA novel for like 15 years was badly photoshopped, yes. uh, attractive late teens girl with uh, like fire effects around their hands or whatever the hell their, you know, the gimmick mm -hmm. was. That was like the whole damn shelf that wasn't serving most of those novels. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so Brett very much wants to like climb in and be like, okay, here's what's going to sell combined with your own style. So yeah. I guess that's the other is, you know, is. And pick, knowing pick what's going to sell, like being able to, you have to deeply understand where the market is 
at the mm-hmm. moment that it goes out. Because one of the things, like when I first started writing early aughts, right, the cartoon covers were huge, right? There were cartoon covers on yeah. everything. I had them on a couple of my books. Um, and it was just cartoon cover after cartoon cover after cartoon cover. Then suddenly, no. No more. That's it. There was a clear line of delineation. And then all of a sudden we had to have like, you know, like the Photoshopped eye stock image, you know, kind of thing with a little bit of, with a little bit of, you know, a sans serif font and then a scripty font for one of the words. And then like, you know, so like all of the different rules for creating book covers. I created book covers professionally for people for a while too. Um, and it was, there was a different, there was a different style that you go to. Now here we are in the days of Emily Henry and Sophie Cousins and Sophie Kinsella. Sophie Kinsella's new book just came out, cartoon cover. We're back to what was selling in the early aughts. And the thing is, is that like, it's not even just about like what your taste is, what represents your book well. You have to understand what is moving in the market. And I think for a lot of us as creative types, we think about what it is that we want to do with this particular story. Um, And we're thinking about the story and we need to be thinking about the story. That's where our brain needs to be. Um, And then we need somebody who knows where the market is because a book cover that would have appealed to me at a particular point wouldn't have sold then might sell now, you know, but it's really about what is it that moves the books and that shifts from phase to phase, it will shift, it will go back. Um, It's and knowing and having somebody who knows where we are in that cycle to position your book and package your book in a way that will actually sell. Like you Mm -hmm. need somebody who is not terribly attached to the story or whatever so that they can sell it. And that's where authors, I think sometimes in traditional publishing uh, can sometimes have a problem in that they will see a book cover and hate it and be like, that doesn't represent my book. That doesn't represent my story, yada, yada, yada. But that is the book cover that like this team of professionals who knows the market inside and out has decided will move that book. And like, you know, if it moves the book and more people read it, but the book cover isn't exactly to your taste or to your expectation. Like those are the kinds of things that you need to balance. And when you're hiring somebody, when you are the client, you're hiring somebody, you can tell them to change the book cover and they will do that for you. But I'd listen (laughs) to them. You're paying them. them. (laughs) You're paying them. Like you're the one. So like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you have to be willing to set your personal judgment aside. If you want to compete in a market, because that's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's very different than writing a really great book, right? It like is. Um, mm-hmm. we can all name really awful books that nevertheless sold bajillions of copies and we've almost certainly uh read really great books that sold nothing. Mm-hmm. Like th- that your odds are much better and you are um a more conscientious artist if mm-hmm. you are doing in my opinion, yes. if you're doing everything you can to make the story great, but that's not the same thing as selling it. Like yeah. it's legitimately different than selling it. And uh, again, uh, my last thought on that, because you and I were having an authenticity conversation off mic. Yes. Mm-hmm. One thing that I really appreciate about uh, Brett's approach mm-hmm. uh, for my cover specifically is that they are tailored to a market to an extent, but they are also about me and my story. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like he puts the, this is, this is, I think something that's really great about indie publishing is that you can screw yourself over. Absolutely. By thinking, <laughs> you know, more than the other person, right. but if you find the right, the right individual, they can help you like marry your vision with something that will, also they can sell. work it both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
Yeah, I've been really I've been really blessed with that because I've known Brett for longer than I've been a writer. So, <laughs> you know, it just happened mm-hmm. that I, and I think that's why we worked well together. We were very simpatico. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, that would be a moment because Lonnie is trying not to laugh at the fact that I'm being <laughs> climbed like a tree. So now would be the moment when I uh, 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 introduce and then apologize for uh, any vocal any interruption that you hear. From Patsy yeah. Walker, Hell From- Kitten, my my cat. So uh, <laughs> if you know, you know, friends. Yes, yes. those so, of you who have anyway. listened to our In the Gutter podcast will appreciate that little inside joke that he he got a cat and named her uh, Patsy Walker. <laughs> so now that's the apology. We are yes. not going to bring her up or pay attention to her shenanigans. I, I will be. I will be. She keeps crawling. Like y- <laughs> y'all got to know, she keeps crawling over his shoulder and then whipping her tail over his mustache, so that like he, has a, a, yeah. he has a he has a cat tail mustache, mustache. <laughs> and it's pretty damn cute. Like the goofiest Bond villain, <laughs> uh, but she rides up without mm-hmm. going too far down this rabbit trail. She yeah. rides up there all the time. She has sat on my shoulder yeah. the entire time I did a sink of dishes. Yes, I wasn't I even moving around or before. being interesting. <laughs> so anyway, so she's also very talkative. So if you hear any of that. Uh, it's not Lonnie's fault. It's my She's fault. a shoulder bridge. I will, I will try to edit out what I can, but if it's in there, it's in there. And it's, you know, it's a cat, so it should be pretty cute. All right. So you are a professional marketer. Um, this it's is, true. this is what you do. Um, and, uh, you have a website. Is there a website people can go to if they want to kind of look at, uh, at what you do? Yes. Now it's going to be great for looking at my books mm-hmm. the day that this, uh, that this, podcast episode goes live. It's mm-hmm. great. It's ready for that. Um, in the next few weeks, it will transition to being both about me as an author or me as a freelance marketing writer. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so right now you want to see just books. It's ready for that. Come back in a few weeks if you're thinking about hiring me, because uh, <laughs> it'll be more of a portfolio and all that good stuff. Um, but you can find that. So again, you can see like my approach to my marketing copy mm-hmm. and my covers and things like that at uh, joshuaunruh.com, J-O-S-H-U-A-U-N-R-U-H.com. And if you have, God bless you. If you have marketing copy needs in the meantime, you can still contact me through that website. It just won't be quite set up. I'll have to you know, have a call and show you my portfolio. And show you the stuff. The, uh, yes. uh, but also if you go to house story, over. if you go to house story dot works, uh, that is also Joshua's work. So oh, Joshua has been working right. with me and helping me, uh, get my marketing, uh, shit together, which has been really valuable because again, I am not naturally aligned to a marketing mindset. And I think that it really, <laughs> really helps to have someone, who has that experience, who understands how it works to help you build that side. Because while you're writing your books and it's all about the story and everything, and that's all the stuff that I usually focus on, there is a very real world element to getting out there and and getting that book. If you want to be in self-publishing, you have to get into the world of marketing. You have to understand how yeah. to do that. And people who do that well do really, really well. 
Um, there they are tend people, to do better. Yeah. yeah, there are people on TikTok who just know how to market themselves and end up selling their books really well. Um, and it's something that I think all of us who kind of maybe want to get a little bit away from traditional publishing or are just more interested in self-publishing, uh, you know, we need to recognize that that is a whole very serious business in and of itself. Um, yeah. And getting yeah, people to help you is absolutely no failure at all. But here we are. Um, you are doing all this marketing work. You've got your freelance stuff going, but you're also writing a book this year. Um, and you yes. joined the Year of Writing Magically workshop, which has been so well, of fun I because did. because now <laughs> I have somebody to pick up. Like, okay, so we do these uh, classes every other week. We spend two hours, all of us together. We're all talking about our books. We're, you know, I'm teaching, uh, you know, craft and and all this kind of stuff and how to write and how to go through the different phases of writing. And so, like, I'm there with all these people, and then there's Joshua. And so when I need somebody to speak up in class or to like, I always end up throwing to Joshua because I've been working with him for so long and I know he it's, will step yeah. up and have something to say about pretty much everything. So thank you for being that for me in the class. I've I really sound, appreciated that. It sounded so shady until you got to the thank you. The, he's got <laughs> opinions about every goddamn no, thing. No, because you do. It's like, true. And it's it's, it's it, true. As a, as a <laughs> class teacher, when we're in that beginning of the two hours with a bunch of introverted writers who don't like to speak up, it really helps to have somebody I can throw to and be like, all right, Joshua, talk about this from your perspective. And then you've always got something <laughs> brilliant to say. I love it. It's awesome. It's a little bit, it's a little bit like podcasting with you, uh, you know, just like in, in a slightly different context, but I can always <laughs> throw to you and I audience. know it's going to go live studio <laughs> audience. It's really awesome. So tell me about your experience in the year of writing magically this year. Okay. I, I actually think that I am a great example of a bad example uh, because because my it's a year long or about an eight month long process. Ten months. Mm -hmm. Ten months. Uh, mm -hmm. Ten months. Ten mm -hmm. months. Very right. good. Yeah. yeah. Very nearly a year. Mm -hmm. um, no one can predict. I I could barely this past year. I've barely been able to predict what I was doing next week, right. you know, let alone a month or ten months from now. Mm -hmm. And I've had some fairly significant shakeups. Right. Mm -hmm. Um with uh, and until very recently I was working at an ad agency mm -hmm. that was very complicated and then that became so complicated I needed to create an exit strategy like mm -hmm. all this stuff Th so I started incredibly strong and mm -hmm. I was coming to a book that I had started some years ago mm -hmm. honestly pre-covid and covid yeah. was the first like creativity sapper right mm -hmm. like it was just the first one where I was like you know, I uh, lived in an immunocompromised household. I was still yeah. uh, managing my kids like online school because my then wife was working from home. So that's what she was doing. So I was still like dad and blah, blah, blah. And it was very tense and it just mm -hmm. killed the creativity. But this is a book I've been really wanting to write for some time. Yeah. And I came back with a vengeance. Like mm -hmm. I have written as much on it in this workshop as I had, I think, before uh, mm -hmm. before I kind of lost the spark yeah. now right to like <laughs> i wouldn't say in the middle two-thirds of the way through drafting time is mm -hmm. when my personal job life goes off the fucking rails <laughs> and i honestly had yeah. to as much as it killed me i had to put a pin in the drafting because this is the most energy i've had for this book in years and i was mm -hmm. like i don't want to do this but i have to eat yeah you know so and i'm really excited to finish this book also by the way because i've done 
indie publishing and I enjoy it. I enjoy the control, uh, you know, all that stuff, but I really felt like I think I can sell this one. So this mm-hmm. was going to be the, can I, can I sell a traditionally published book? That's mm-hmm. what this is going to be. So it's a challenge on sort of multiple levels, but it, and it's very, very important to me. But at the same time, it was one that kind of unfortunately partway through had to go on the shelf. Right. Um, however, having this cadre of people who are doing their own work and having their own problems where yeah. a lot of them were like, I, you know, I had to say, I don't have it for a few months. Like that's mm-hmm. just my life. They were had, I didn't have it today or I didn't have it this right. week mm-hmm. or I did have it this week and look at this thing and here, does anybody know about this right. obscure, you know, uh, the uh, research or, was the biggest yeah. surprise people doing research. And then there was somebody in the class who had the expertise that they needed. And so we had a whole channel just for that. That was really awesome. It's been, it's been tremendous. It's yeah. been, so one of the things that worked really well for me in during my first nano is, and this is going to sound like not very extroverted, but mm-hmm. was the idea that lots of other people were doing it, but not right next to me. That, that's what mm-hmm. I wanted. The the sort of mental energy of knowing that there's hundreds of thousands or whatever, tens of mm-hmm. thousands of people doing it, like running a marathon, but with my earbuds in. Right. I'm with these people, but I am not, de- you know, that mm-hmm. was huge. This is like that on a smaller and much more personal scale. Like, mm-hmm. uh, um, I have not despaired over much that I had to put my drafting on the 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 mm-hmm. shelf because I have all these other people who are succeeding and I'm watching them succeed. And along the way, I am still gaining all the skills and knowledge that I will need when I am able to come back to it. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. because the goal is to is the goal. The big like shining city on a hill is to have the thing completely done Mm -hmm. in 10 months. Right. I think that's doable with Mm -hmm. with the the, like like not even in a perfect, you know, hermetically sealed life, Mm -hmm. just in one that doesn't go quite as bonkers as mine did, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that's entirely doable. Um, and so I am, I have the confidence that Mm -hmm. now that I'm in a different place and I'm going to return to the drafting, I'm behind the curve of the workshops timeline, but my timeline is exactly where it needs to be Mm -hmm. because I have learned everything that I needed to, you know, to keep getting better and getting it closer to finished along the way. Mm -hmm. So instead of sort of, uh, dripping like piecemealing it into the process, just because of the way that it's worked, when I come back to it, I'm going to have all this like, boom, just to drop on it. like All of that you know. momentum. Yeah. Yeah. The the life interference is something that you cannot, you know, and it's one of the things that we talk about in the class. Like there, a lot of these people have gotten their books done. They're exactly on track. And all of that is really, really great. Um, but life interference happens. You know, there are people who've had like, you know, health issues within their families that they've had to deal yes, with. Yeah. They've had, you know, stuff like you've had job stuff. Um, life interference happens. But the thing that I love about this class um, is that we are all there together. Everybody's in this discord chat um, and all of the classes, you know, the class that we teach every or that I teach every two weeks gets recorded. You've got access to that information. You've got all the material. You've got everything that you need. And so the people who've had life interference can continue to work together on a different timeline, you know, toward their goal and still be a support to each other, even after the workshop has finished. I myself had life interference, you know, I was hoping to get my whole revision done at this point. I may not be able to do that right now. Um, and that's okay. Like that's the, the thing is, is that, um, there's nothing draconian 
in the approach. And I really wanted to build it specifically yes. that way. Yes. Because when we get draconian about we have to do exactly this and exactly these days, like I love NaNoWriMo. I love that energy. Um, you know, 50,000 words in 30 days and you're a winner. And if you come in at 45, you know, if you come in, like, it feels like even though Nano is an incredibly positive environment, I highly, highly recommend mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. experience to anybody. I think that it's wonderful. Um, there is this sense of like, well, if they're winners, then I must be a loser because I didn't make it because I didn't do it in all of yeah, this in yeah. this time frame. Um, what I love about the year of writing magically is that it takes the, um, the community that I loved so much from Nano and puts it into a system that not just gets you writing, but gets you doing your discovery phase, um, your discovery yes, process yeah. and really spending time in that. Um, the first thing we do in the class is address fears. What are you afraid of? What are the things yes. that are going on in your head? You look at that head on and then you do a life inventory so that you look through your life at the things that you can move move out of the way so that you can make the time to do this thing that is really important to you and that you want to do. And, um, and honestly, like it, it was one of the things, it was a workshop I couldn't find. So I had to build it. Um, yes, because right. this is what I wanted. I wanted that community. I wanted the space where if you're not doing everything at the exact right time or the exact scheduled time or whatever, that you are in no way lost, that this book is not lost, that it's not over. You can keep going. Yeah. Maybe it'll take you longer than the 10 months to finish your book. That's fine. You know, if it takes you 18 months or two years to finish your book, that's fine. You've got all the materials and all the support that you need to do it during that time frame. I, yes, absolutely. And for, for people who are wondering, like the logistics of this right now, uh, that community is sort of maintained on a discord server. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what your plans are for the next uh, for the next, uh, next cohort. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if we're all still going to be on there from the mm -hmm. first cohort. Yeah. Right. And so by the time there are five or six or 10 cohorts, like there's going to mm -hmm. be so much like institutional yeah. knowledge and support there. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like this workshop has been, well, I'm not even done yet, yeah. <laughs> not just with the book, but with the workshop, but mm -hmm. I feel it's been absolutely amazing. And I also feel like it's the worst version of itself that, because, <laughs> it's because the it's the first one. It's the first it's the one. First it's one. only going to get better from so here. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. You're blazing trails. We're figuring out what the community looks like by the time the second or third or fourth folks come in, it's mm -hmm. going to be like, Pull up to the fire. Yeah. We know what the thing is, you know, <laughs> yeah. we've done it ourselves mm -hmm. once, twice, three times, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be it's going to be huge. Like, in theory, I'm supposed to have a book done that I can hand to someone else at the end of my 10 months. I'm well, things have changed. Yes. Uh, who knows what may happen now that mm -hmm. I get, you know, that I that I, I have some more opportunity. But like, even if it's not done. I'm going to have somebody in that discord channel to be my beta reader or, yeah. to, or whatever mm -hmm. to give me critique when I get to that point, because, mm -hmm. you know, again, I don't know if they will be sectioned off a little bit or if we're all just be a hurly burly. I think that the, um, it's going to be a separate, uh, discord channel for each individual cohort, because there's something about the small number. I think that is really yes. valuable, yes. but also finding a place where everybody who has taken it can all gather together. 
Um, I think would also be a really wonderful bit of community to have because all of the writers have gone through the process with me. And so much of my process is about like weeding out the poisonous mindsets that we as writers get into about Mm -hmm. like about critique. Like right now we're talking about critique in the class, you know, and um, up until we get into the uh, second revision phase, which is what we're in now, the only feedback you're allowed to ask for, and you are absolutely allowed to ask for it, but the only feedback is what's your favorite part feedback. I've done uh, episodes of how story works on what's your favorite part. Um, I've written about it in a million different places. It's on the Dear Writer newsletter, dearwriter.substack.com. You can find it there if you want more information on that, um, on why I feel so strongly about that. But by weeding out this, um, we're here to, because the way I came up and the way I was trained was that like you show love by beating the shit out of each other in these critiques, that that's what writers, that's how we support each other is we beat the shit out of you so that you don't walk out into the world with, you know, toilet paper hanging down your, the writing equivalent of toilet paper paper hanging down the back of your shoe. Right. Um, and I find that perspective and that, that approach to be, um, really destructive. And so sitting down with people who have been kind of, have kind of come up in this the way that I did, um, and thinking that by being tough and, and cruel and mean to each other, that we are somehow showing love, um, that that's not really how it works. And that even when you're giving constructive criticism back, um, there are ways to do it that are actually truly constructive um, mm-hmm. and actually valuable and actually useful. So we're getting into that part now. And um, and that's one of my favorite transitions is coming out of we create this incredibly safe space for the the creativity and for all of that. And then we come out of that into the all right, how are we going to move forward? You know, we're focusing on our strengths, but we still want to fix things that need fixing. We still want to see if this is actually working and all of that kind of stuff and like moving into that phase. Um, it's really fun. And this, of course, is the first time I've taught this workshop. So for me, this first experience of teaching it has been so exciting and so revelatory to me for me to like look at my own history and realize that those cruel, harsh critiques were our version of love. You know, Um, and understanding that that's not necessarily the way that you want to consciously move forward and the energy that you want to bring, because it's not conducive to doing, I think, the best creative work that that people can do. Um, It's so fun to be able to work with all of that. It's so fun to be able to walk through all of that with all of you guys. The things that I've learned about myself in the course of this year Mm -hmm. um, have been tremendous. And I'm very excited about next year, it even being more polished and um and the things that I've learned this year being applied to what we're going to do next year. Yeah. I need everybody to hear the whole thing that I said, like <laughs> that this has been legitimately an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. It has been excellent on every level. Like as we've gone through it, I could not recommend it higher. And one of the reasons I could not recommend it higher is because it's the first year, <laughs> this is as bad as it gets. Like it's amazing <laughs> And it only gets better from Mm -hmm. here. And part of that is you refining your approach. And part of it is more and more community and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's just really powerful. And maintaining that positive space too is I, I had a taste of that. Like, Mm -hmm. we're just going to beat the shit out of you to make you a better writer. And I'm like, you're going to beat the shit out of me to make me not a writer. (laughs) Like, I don't, (laughs) 
when I fanfic as a phenomenon has kind of missed me, but a couple of my younger mm-hmm. friends are very into it. And they talk to me about these hundreds of thousands of words long stories mm-hmm. that have been going on forever and ever and ever. And they're just there for you to read, enjoy. And I'm like, who, who is able to maintain that level of momentum? And it's people who aren't letting other people kick the shit out of them. That's exactly. who. Exactly. Yeah. Um, fanfic, I think, is a fascinating one. I'm going to do an episode on fanfic one of these days because I think it is absolutely a fascinating phenomenon. I love it and support it a thousand percent. Um, but uh, can I come yeah. back and talk to you about fanfic? Yes, I would love that. Let's yeah. do that. Let's yeah. do that. I, I really want to talk about, about it. I have a lot of feelings about it, too, and they're almost all positive. Um, I, I Honestly, yeah. I think they're uh, they're universally positive. Um, I'm trying to think about anything negative I have to say about fanfic, and I haven't yet. Um, but, anything negative yeah. I'd say about fanfic, I would also probably say about the Da Vinci Code. So Yeah. I, well, and the thing is, is that honestly, like the biggest problem, and we're going to get off this topic, we'll come back and talk about it later. But the biggest <laughs> problem that people talk about with fanfic are like authors who are pissed off about their copyright and their characters. Um, but the reality is that there is canon and there is non-canon. And and fanfic, we all start out as fanfic writers. We all start out as mimics. Um, Absolutely. Everybody starts out as a mimic. That's how writing begins. And so in this space where writing begins um, to discourage that with legalities from people who are not making money off of that work. Like if they're, it's not like they're going right. out publishing under your name, publishing your, everybody who reads fanfic knows that this is not canon. Nobody's making money off of, off of copyrighted characters. Um, and that they're to be able to inspire a space where people write these stories that take them into places that you never thought they would go. Yes. You know, I mean, that's, yes. I think that's all amazing. You know, it's, it's wonderful stuff. And I granted, I haven't had anything that hit big enough to inspire fanfic, but if I did, I would be absolutely thrilled and so incredibly honored that somebody took my characters and started playing with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And and it's the, it's also a space that, engenders joy in the work from jump Mm -hmm. and if you are not feeling that on your original characters Mm -hmm. why not and should we you know inspect that and figure out how to make you feel joy in the uh, i was when i made okay to talk about the beginning of the workshop you had a lot of uh what i might describe as kind of like mindset work at Mm -hmm. the beginning like what are you afraid of Mm -hmm. right you're whatever it is and some of it's very reasonable i'm afraid i'm not gonna finish well no shit like (laughs) 10 months is still pretty fast to get a book done especially uh if you've never done it before Mm -hmm. um or or especially if you've done it before but you want this one to be better right right Mm -hmm. whatever it is what else are you afraid of uh a million things right um and then taking a good hard look at those dismantling them and then immediately going, okay, now what are your obstacles Mm -hmm. and what obstacles can you diminish? Which ones can't move at all Mm -hmm. and which ones can you actually cut entirely out? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was extremely valuable. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm used to thinking in that way a lot anyway. And it was still, what are you willing to give up to get this book done to get it drafted in the next few months? What can you absolutely not? Like what stuff can you not offload? Uh, Are there people in your life that you can ask to come do these things, whether they're, you know, uh, live in significant other or roommate or whatever, all of these like really practical, get that stuff together. And, um, and I had all of that in mind and I go into the, uh, the drafting Mm -hmm. so excited, so much momentum. And then, like I say, 
some stuff happened I could not diminish or move. Right. And that's when a piece of like exterior to the workshop wisdom like came into me. My spiritual mentor talks to me a lot. He says this all the time. Uh, the practice is for you. You are not for the practice. Yes. So like when the thing happened that I just I was like, OK, this is this is mm-hmm. going to consume my life to the point that I'm not able to work on this book. None of the things that I'm learning go away. Mm-hmm. They're ready for when I can come back to it. And when I looked myself in the mirror and said that thing, this is too big for me to move. I have to deal right. with this before I can go back to the book. I knew it was true mm-hmm. because you had walked us through that process with ourselves. I'd already practiced it. And so when I had to do it on my own m- a couple of months after we had done it in a group, I was able to do it like with integrity to myself mm-hmm. and to my creative process um, and not. Like, I wish that I had been able to work on my book these past few months, but I'm not kicking myself for not being able to because I, I, I had a realistic outlook Mm -hmm. on my capabilities with the life I had. And when that life changed significantly, my new realistic expectations are different, but they're still realistic. I'm still honest with myself. I'm honest with my process. Mm -hmm. And, um, I can also honestly say I have wasted no time. Yeah. Still coming to classes Mm because I think it's worth saying that like there are absolutely homework assignments you give us that are very, very focused on our actual work. We're Mm -hmm. in the middle of them now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Again, we um, but there was also, hey, we're going to pull this story apart and figure out why it does or does not work. Hey, let's talk about opening scenes that you really like separate from your own work. Mm -hmm. So so much of what we've been able to do and talk about that is loading my canon for the next time I fire this book out mm-hmm. um, is still 100% applicable uh, even b- because it's because uh, I can immediately apply it to my book, but it's not about my book yes. or about my story. I should say story because I happen to be noveling, mm-hmm. but it's worth saying over and over again, this is good for scripts, screenplays, your TV Long shows, your fiction. comic books, whatever yeah. it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it is um, a form agnostic. You can pretty much do anything in this in this workshop. Um, but yeah, like that's one of the things, too, is that I wanted to create a, um, a workshop where there wasn't a fail state, right? That like no matter yeah. what it is that happens and things in life are unpredictable, there are things that you don't know are going to happen that are going to happen that are going to like throw you off your game, right? Um, but the idea that the writing and the work, um, everything we do in the workshop builds the writing and the workspace as a warm, inviting and patient space that it will wait for you. And if you can't do it uh, every now and again, people, I see people get into this mindset of like, well, I'm just not trying hard enough. I'm just not pushing myself hard enough. I'm just not like, I'm just being lazy or yada, yada, yada. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. This is something that you want to do. This is something that you are setting aside for you. If you can't do it, there's a good damn reason. You may, even in some circumstances, not know what that reason is, but it's good and it's valid. And this work, I love that, you know, you are not for the practice. The practice is for you. I love that. And I may end up borrowing that. So I'm going to need to know (laughs) how to quote your guy there. Um, 
But the idea that like, this is something that you set aside this time for you to do this thing that you want to do that gives you joy. And that joy sits in that space. When you create this space in your life around this work that you want to do, that mm -hmm. space remains. We're not diminishing that space. We are creating that space. And in the beginning, being realistic about you're not adding this to your life because your life is full before this. You need to create and carve out a space where you can do this, what can go, you know, so you can prioritize yeah, yeah. this. And, um, and so having that as a realistic expectation in the beginning and then moving through the, the year, um, in a way that works for you, I think has opened up this space where people might quit if they didn't know that this was about them, that this was for them yeah. to write the story that they wanted to write, that it's not about this external, I'm going to write this book in 10 months and that's it, you know, and it's, it's not, there is no fail state. You can come back to this at any time. And that space that you carved out will be waiting for you with your book inside of it. And it'll be something that you can do. There are times where it gets overwhelming. There are times where you don't know what's going on. There are times where you just kind of have to trust the process, like especially yeah. early in drafting, people are like, I don't even know what I'm going to write tomorrow. And we're like, we'll figure it out, you know, and we do. Um, there's just so many wonderful things about the community experience and the way that that support and watching other people go through what you're going through makes mm. it just of such an easier and more fun space, I think, within which to write. No, I agree 100%. It's, it's uh, the, the support of the other people in the cohort. It's also, I'm going to give props to you, the way that you have positioned some of this, the way that you talk to us about uh, time is not your problem, energy is your yes. problem. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, everybody spends some amount of time uh just zoned out, whatever mm -hmm. that looks like for you, uh, TV, doom scroll, literally just staring at an empty yes. wall, uh, whatever. Um, uh, it's not time mm -hmm. per se. It's the amount of energy that you can devote to it. That alone was extremely useful because it's yeah, like, good. yeah, I do have time, mm -hmm. but what good is it to sit here and be like, I should be writing, like kicking yes. my own ass about it. It's like, no, if I can, I will because mm -hmm. it's important to me. And if I can't, I recognize that. And I, well, I don't even let myself off the hook. I don't put a fucking hook up There's for me no to put hook. myself on. Absolutely. There's no hook, mm -hmm. which kind of comes back to like the feelings I have about those fan figures that have written yeah. hundreds of thousands of words. It's like you do that because you love it. It's not even the, the, the honestly, and you may, you may not love this positioning. We'll, we'll see. But like, <laughs> I don't even think this workshop's not about finishing the story. Mm -hmm. It's about you writing the story. Yes. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, now I'm going to forget who, who said it. You may be able to help me, but mm -hmm. one of the best writer quotes I've ever heard that just describes me perfectly is, uh, I don't actually enjoy writing. I enjoy having written. Having written. Yes. A lot of people have said that. I don't know who originally said it, but yeah, I've heard That's that a lot. That's mm -hmm. how I feel. And yeah. I fucking hate it. Like I want to enjoy the writing also. Yeah. Like I, for, Now I don't have to enjoy every part of the process equally, but I should be enjoying mm -hmm. every part of the process to some extent, because otherwise, why am I doing it? Go do something that Go makes you something happy, for you God's enjoy. sake. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I and I've just felt like that so often that it's mm -hmm. like uh, uh, I love having a finished thing. I mm -hmm. love the like looking back on it. I'm like, ah, oh, rosy glasses. My yes. writing process was wonderful the whole time. Bullshit. <laughs> I did not enjoy most of it. I just got it done because mm -hmm. I wanted the finished product, and I still do mm -hmm. personally want that finished product. 
but this cultivation of enjoyment and joy mm -hmm. in the process, even when I have to stop, mm -hmm. have to stop. It's like, yeah, that joy, that, you know, that joyful time, that effort, that work without effort will mm -hmm. be there when I'm ready to go back to it. It is um, absolutely huge, there. Absolutely yeah. a massive mind shift that I've been doing this for a hot minute and did not <laughs> occur to me to think about it in that way, despite our many conversations. Right. Until you laid it out in the workshop that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was one of the things, too, that kind of like opened up the space for me as well. And one of the things that I always find interesting about the book is that the book does just kind of sit there. It, it's it's like in time, frozen in time, waiting for you to come back to that space. It doesn't leave you. It doesn't run away. It doesn't like it will be there when you're ready to come back to it. But also looking to it as from a perspective of I, I you know, you get to be joyful about this experience as opposed to, oh, my God, I have to go and do this. I have to. I have to have to. So much of life is have to. You know, to take the thing that feeds your soul, because nobody writes unless it feeds their soul, there would just be no reason to do it. Um, you, you take the thing yes. that feeds your soul and make it into a grind. Um, that works against your your best interests. You know, like when, what you do, Mary Oliver, with this this one wild and precious life that you have, what you do with that time that you have, you know, that energy that you have is to pursue the thing that gives you joy. And if writing is that thing, then do it. But understand that as you do it, you need to shift your mindset. You need to create the space for it. You need to not expect yourself to be able to add this to the 8 million other things that you're already doing. That doesn't work. It's just too much, mm -hmm. you know? Um, you have to make space for it. You have to make space for you. Um, and then when you're done, you have something that you've written. And again, like you were talking about before, and I've said this a million times and everybody always hates it when I say it, but you only need one reader. Like you only need one yes. reader to complete the circuit. The right? circuit's complete. Yeah. Exactly. And once you've got that one reader, that job is done. Now, if you want to try to get a million other readers from that, God bless, it's all gravy. Because the whole yeah. point is that you yeah. get one person to read it. Um, and and then you are a success at that point. Like you have been successful at that point. And then you can move on however you want from there. Um, but finding that joy, having the community, honestly, community was a huge part of this for me. A huge realization for me in recent years has been the importance of community in absolutely everything. Yes. And we isolate ourselves in writing. We isolate ourselves um, in so many ways. And to be able to bring a small, I like a small cohort, like 20 to 25 mm -hmm, people max, mm -hmm. you know, um, where you can all get to know each other. You can all be there. You can all be a support for each other. Um, that experience has been so, and I was the one who built it because I knew I needed it, but even having the experience yes. has been way beyond my expectations of how incredible that is and how, um, how incredibly like it feeds your joy in doing the thing, just knowing that there are other people with you. And I think about, we did a, one of the stories that we deconstructed to kind of like take a look at the revision process was the 1937 Disney movie, Snow White, right? And yes. when you've got all these dwarves singing, hi ho, hi ho, it's off to work we go in that community while they work. I was like, that does have resonance for me from this experience of doing the year of writing magically. Cause not, I'm not just teaching it, but I also wrote my first book in nine years, you know? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that for mm -hmm. me, after, you know, a huge traumatic um, life experience for me, I'm able to come back to it with joy 
has been just the most incredible experience. And so like I myself, you know, I feel like the hair club for men, I'm not just a the president, I'm a client, you know. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, but I, yeah, you got to be of a certain age to remember that commercial. But um, but yeah, like it just, it was such an incredible experience, so much fun. And I do look forward to doing it absolutely every year because I think that it's just going to be so valuable. And and so many people are coming back. That's the thing that blew my mind is how many people are actually coming back to do it again for a second year. Um, I was not expecting that I would have return people who already have all the material, right. but just the experience of doing it is so incredibly valuable that they want to be part of a, a new cohort community again. No, I think, oh, I have so many, I have so many things I want to. <laughs> say to respond to that mm -hmm. like um real talk uh th this i'm doing a lot of things mm -hmm. to kind of realign my mind and spirit like over time but very seriously this approach to where's your energy going has actually been so uh it's been particularly useful in a a a stoic uh mm -hmm. adage that i th think about a lot and this but this really gave me the key okay and the, the adage is basically um, you're not short on time. You just waste a lot of it. <laughs> and, uh, some of that waste is rest. That's not waste yes. actually. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the, even some of the staring into space, not necessarily waste. Yes. Like you need that time. However, when you start, when you start, at least for me, when I was given, I knew that was true. Mm -hmm. I, I think about that all the time, but when I'm given a paradigm of, uh, where do you want your energy to go? Yeah. Right. And now by deciding where I want my energy to go, now I am wasting less of the time because mm -hmm. even if I'm relaxing or doing something stupid, it's a conscious choice, right? Yeah. I'm doing it for my overall betterment. Um, and it, so in real time, I don't think that this should be prescriptive. Not everybody should be looking for this, but this workshop was actually part of a massive realignment mm -hmm. in my approach to what I want to do every day hours of every day right because i don't want to be wasting that time right um the the dwarves going into the <laughs> mine is a frankly spectacular uh metaphor because <laughs> they're all in there uh -huh. working next to each other doing the same thing but only one of them is going to be able to get this gem out with that pickaxe right, right? like mm -hmm. but they're all together they're all singing together they go into the mine together they come out of the mine together <laughs> They are working alone together, mm -hmm. and uh, which I think is the healthiest way to get anything written, like almost just yeah. literally anything. In my professional life, like my stuff got better every time I sent it through my other writer mm -hmm. or through my creative director. Every, other people's stuff got better when they sent it through me. We are working alone together, yeah. you know, because nobody else can write it for you. You got to write it. But the being surrounded by those folks and that the work is getting done and that like Stone is really hard. So maybe I didn't pry that gem loose today, but I loosened it. I'll get it tomorrow. Like there's, it's a lot of that, a yeah. lot of that, uh, mm -hmm. incremental goals surrounded by people who get it because yes. they're doing the same thing. Massive. Yes. Massive. Absolutely. And I'm less surprised than you are that people are coming back. <laughs> I think that makes yeah. the most sense. Yeah. I taught it. So for me, it's like, you know, I, I, I definitely. But you know everything. It. That's what you're like. I you know. know all the things. You've learned all this stuff, but it's, it's also the whole experience of it, you know? And also, yeah. like, I'm just so excited because one of the first things we do, we have like a, in early on, we had a commitment ceremony where everybody came in and they said, this is, it was a few months in. We'd done some discovery work. Yeah. So people knew yeah. what they wanted to do. And I'm like, you, this is where you, you choose the book that you're going to be working on for this workshop. 
And during that commitment ceremony, I was listening to all of these story ideas. And I was like, want to read that one? Want to read that one? Have to read that one? Definitely. Like yes. all of them, every single book, I was like, oh my God. And then during the drafting, uh, what we would do every day is people would share their favorite snippet, their favorite hundred words of what mm. they had written that day. And then we'd all like add in our favorite part of what everybody had done. That was such a huge energy boost, you know, just to like be able to share a little bit of that work, even though it was still raw dough, like the little bits yeah. of it that we could all share with each other and just loved reading all of that stuff. So like, on top of everything else that this workshop has done, there are books now that will exist that I will have copies of on my bookshelf that existed because we did this thing um, yes. that, that would not have gotten written without it. And so for me, like just having more creative work in the world, having this particular creative work in the world that I cannot wait to read the final products. Um, so exciting and a really fun it's a meaningful way to to spend the year, an incredibly meaningful way to spend the year. I think that's a really important word, actually, meaningful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because if you if if only one person reads it, if you never sell a copy, if you never put a cover or a marketing copy on it, you you write it, you let your friends and family read it, maybe, or your best friend, and then you mm -hmm. put it away and you never bring it out again. You are still enriched by this experience. Yeah. The world is still enriched by your creative energy because the joy that you cultivated there went out to other places in your life. Mm -hmm. Like your life is better. Other people's lives are better. This thing exists that would never have existed before. And all that's worth it on its own. Mm -hmm. All that's Absolutely. worth it on its own. Don't fall into this fucking capitalist trap <laughs> that it's only useful if it's you thought you were going to get through a whole podcast with me. Don't fall into this fucking <laughs> capitalist trap that it's monetary value mm -hmm. is what is valuable. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. God knows I would love. I mean, I, I I do make my living writing, but I uh, mm -hmm. not fiction. Yeah. Not stories. I had to <laughs> no shit. Anyway, you get it. Not mm -hmm. writing whatever yes. I want to write. Mm -hmm. Sure, that'd be wonderful. But it doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. Like the the joy of creation, like the person who's busking Play, just obviously so happy to be playing a guitar that they're out on the street corner and they have a hat in front of them. And yeah, it'd be nice if you put money in it, but that's not why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, predominantly they, th there are better ways, easier ways yeah. to, make, to make money. Right. Yeah. But the joy of the, of an act of creation, the joy of creativity itself um, is cultivated in this mm -hmm. workshop so that you not only get probably a finished piece, but you cultivate a space inside yourself where you make a space where creativity is an end unto itself. Yeah. And uh, there's not a lot of places where uh, that is encouraged mm -hmm. in the dystopic year of our Lord 2023. <laughs> right. So fight dystopia, sign up for Year of Writing Magically 2024. Applications are available now. Go to howstory.works um, and you will see a link at the top that says Year of Writing Magically. You can learn more about it there. Joshua, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me. It is always such a joy to talk to you. And every time I talk to you, I'm always like, why don't we podcast more? We need to hang out. <laughs> Because uh, we're both really I, busy. I think that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. We need to hang out more, not podcast Not more. podcast more, exactly. That's, yeah, that's the trick. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Joshua for joining me today and chatting about all the things. Um, if you'd like to know more about Joshua, visit Joshua Unruh, that's U-N-R-U-H dot com. 
Also, I don't have next month's episode for How Story Works scheduled yet. There's a little look behind the curtain at my excellent business acumen. Uh, but I do free consultations for writers if you're willing to come on the show and chat with me about whatever you're struggling with in your writing. So reach out to me at Lonnie at and we can chat. Um, but I also do private consultations if you don't feel like sharing everything out with the public. Um, I do private consultations and personal coaching. So you can email me to find out more about that. Lonnie at Lonnie and that is it for this episode of How Story Works. Don't forget that I'm holding a free Year of Writing Magically pre-workshop workshop. Go to theyearofwritingmagically.com to sign up and register for that. Um, and thanks for hanging out with me today. And I look forward to seeing you next month. 